1: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. I drive, center field, hit the wall, Great slam! This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy
2: becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam.
0: And that's the end of free agency for now welcome into fantasy baseball today on thursday december 2nd frank sample joined as always by scott white we had a flurry of free agent moves that will hit right here at the top of the podcast plus we're introducing a new meter on today's podcast no in season we do the drop o meter the worry the worryometer every time i say it I, i change it up but we will be
2: discussing uh, worryometer or worry Worryometer,
0: meter. Worry meter, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna be talking about players who might be done producing at a high level in fantasy baseball. Are they? I don't know. We'll figure that out. Scotty, how are we doing? Are you ready to see Freddie Freeman in pinstripes?
2: No, no, don't even <laughs> say that, Frank. That that's horrible. That is no. No. I've I have I am scared, Frank. I'm I'm nervous. I don't know why the deal isn't already done. I don't know why it wasn't done in spring training. But uh, I I don't like the idea of going into this lockout not knowing, and um, I hope news breaks while we're recording because that's probably the last chance. I don't. I've never wanted. I've never wanted an impending free agent back so badly in all my life, in, in all my years of Braves fandom. And I I'm sorry to. The go-all uber fan on you here. I feel like winning the World Series has like brought out the Homer in me in a way that it's never been on display in 14 years of working for CBS. Like, but now it's like I I can't have it. I can't I can't stand I can't stomach the thought of Freddie Freeman in another uniform. It needs to happen, Frank. Yeah. We need him back.
0: Well, we are recording this. Uh it's right around ten thirty Eastern time here uh, Wednesday night. So there's still a chance some things can happen before we hit midnight. And when we hit midnight, it looks like we are going to go into uh, an actual lockout where free agency will be frozen for, I don't know, however long it takes for the new CBA to be figured out. We are not alone. Joining us on today's podcast, a contributor for NBC Sports Edge. Fantrax, Roto Ranks, and New Life Fantasy. He's been part of a lot of our mock drafts, uh, but it's the first time here on the podcast. Welcome in, Micah Henry. What is going on, man?
1: What is going on, guys? I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's, I, I feel like I haven't talked baseball in months at this point, so I'm excited to just ramble on about everything that's going on, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we've been doing it. It's definitely a weird time because, uh, obviously, we're in the middle of fantasy football season, mm, uh, but yep. it's just, like, really unique right now because of... Everything that's going on with the the CBA and the potential lockout, like there's a lot of moves happening. It's like trade deadline all over again. So uh, it's really fun to react to a, a lot of the things that are happening right now. Uh, make sure to follow Micah on Twitter at Fantasy Central One, and let's jump right into it. We'll hit some of these uh, signings. We did not do an emergency podcast for for one Javier Baez, Scott. Unfortunately, I guess I don't know.
2: He wasn't worthy of the emergency podcast. We're fresh out of emergency, yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously.
0: Um, uh, <laughs> I will review, l- l- let's talk about the contract and then and then I'll set it up for you, Scotty. But six years, one hundred and forty million dollars to the Detroit Tigers for Javier Baez. He has an opt out after the second year, hit 265, 31 homers, 18 steals. This past season, he finished as the sixth best shortstop in five by five Roto, but only averaged two point nine fantasy points per game. Because of his lack of plate discipline, Uh, very clear at this point that the short in 2020 was the outlier for Javier Baez. He's been between an 813 and 881 OPS in each of his past three full seasons. Now, unfortunately, Scott, this might not be the best move for his fantasy value, because we know Comerica Park is a bigger park. And according to StatCast, he would have hit just 24 home runs if he played all of his games last season in Detroit. Obviously, you know. That's not realistic, but this doesn't seem like a very good venue change for Javier Baez's value.
2: What do you think? Yeah, twenty twenty four versus the thirty one he actually yep. hit, which you know it's it's worth saying. I, I don't know how scientific that is. It's really just it's really just measuring the distance of the batted balls and the dimensions of the park, and there are a lot of other factors that come into play there. So, yeah, I mean, Detroit's a tougher place to hit than. Then Wrigley Field, we saw that when Nick Castellanos went the other direction from Detroit to Chicago. Um, but yeah, Javier Baez, you know, he, he's not known for hitting cheap shots. His average home run distance, at least the last couple of years, considerably more than Nick Castellanos is. I, I don't know that the venue is really the biggest concern here. Of course, it's not good, but the bigger concern is just that you know, you use the term outlier to describe Javier Baez's 2020 season. Really, really outlier. He became even worse with the plate discipline last year, and the only reason it didn't destroy him is because he became even more of an outlier in the two areas where he was already a huge outlier: home run to fly ball rate and and BABIP. He career highs in both, and that was that was hard for a player like Javier Baez to do because. They're already so consistently high. Um, so at some point, and, you know, he's, he's entering his 30s. Let's see. To, ooh, today's is actually his birthday, December 1st. So did he just turn 29? Yeah, he just yeah. turned 29. Yep. So he's not quite 30 yet. But as he enters his 30s, you wonder, you know, if he loses some of that natural athleticism that's driving those outlier stats um, how quickly could it all fall apart for him? I don't think it's going to happen in 2022, but there, there's always that chance. So I, I see him as more of a mid-round type with the potential for early round numbers, but, but somebody I'm never particularly excited to draft.
0: Yeah, I think the last point that you brought up there, the athleticism. He is a freak athlete, and that's why he's able to uh, outperform these. Uh, this lack of plate discipline, right? It's like when he puts the ball in play, he hits the ball really hard. Uh, he's super fast as well, so he doesn't steal a ton of bases, but 18 this past season, uh, definitely valuable for fantasy baseball purposes. His ADP is basically the same as Corey Seager right now, according to the NFBC, right around pick 68, so that's a mid-sixth-round pick in a 12-team league. Mike, I don't know if you've done anything rankings wise yet, or how much you've looked into it, but who would you rather have between those two? We have Javier Baez now in Detroit. We have Corey Seager in Texas.
1: You know, it, it really, it really comes down to you know where, where my team is at at that you know sixth, seventh, whatever uh, round they'll, they'll be at. I think you know if it came down to it, I'd take Seager just because I I like the 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 bat average upside more. I like the you know the home run upside more. I I, tr- I think it's a better hit overall, so I think I trust him more. Baez maybe if I want steals, but I think I'd take the better hitter, better player in Seager.
0: Yep, and I'm assuming you would do the same, right, Scott? Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about so that. Way. I know you still like your boy, Corey Seager, uh, quite a bit there. Marcus Stroman signed a three-year, $71 million deal with the Chicago Cubs, which includes an opt-out after the second year. Uh, and there's like a bunch of weird like elevator-type uh, incentives here, where if he pitches over 160 innings, Uh, Per season, he gets like $2 million more. So he chases the money, which I have absolutely no problem with. Like, whenever players want to get paid, like, sure, uh, I'm all for it. He finished as the SP-28 in 5x5 Roto this past season. Just 12 fantasy points per game, which was the SP-54 for Marcus Stroman, which... I found surprising. Usually that's his better format, but he did have a lot of five inning starts this past season. A 302 ERA, a 115 whip, still under eight strikeouts per nine. He did introduce a new splitter, which was a very good pitch for him. Uh, Michael, we'll start with you this time. What do you think about this move? Marcus Stroman going over to the Chicago Cubs.
1: You know, I'm, I'm expecting similar numbers, to be honest. You know, I don't I do know. As you mentioned, the, the new uh, splitter, the new you know pitch that could help him maybe get more strikeouts. Kind of, I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't look up, I didn't look up the numbers, but you know, I don't, I don't know if that really helped them that much. But I'm expecting similar numbers overall. You know, it's, it's mid, you know, three point five something, three point seven ERA. You know, just not nothing special, but helpful. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean that that kind of describes Marcus Stroman, uh, his fantasy yeah. career. You know, he's he's mostly been helpful. You look at his career numbers, and he's right there in that like mid to highest threes ERA. Scott, what do you think, uh, Marcus Stroman right now? ADP early ADP is one sixty one point two three, just three spots ahead of Eduardo Rodriguez, who finds himself in a new home as well with the Detroit Tigers. What do you think about this move for Stroman? Who would you rather have, him or Erod?
2: I'd rather have Stroman cuz you have a better idea what you're getting I think Eduardo Rodriguez just by virtue of having more strikeout upside has more overall upside but Stroman's very steady and you know you don't like him going to a non-contender uh in the Cubs because obviously that hurts his win potential but he's coming off a season where he went 10 and 13 with the Mets and still managed to be uh pretty useful in fantasy so uh we we you know, I, I don't expect the win loss record to be much worse than ten and thirteen. It could potentially get better, even for a worse team. I do think it's interesting that the Cubs are were the team that signed him. That, like, I feel like this offseason, I, I feel like we haven't seen one like this in I don't know, like twenty years. That's that may be going back too far, but it it just seems like teams are making moves. Regardless of their where they are, where their where their contention trajectory is, you know, <laughs> like Dodgers and Yankees done basically nothing, right? You, you got the Rangers making signing three players to big contracts, two of the biggest middle infielders on the market. And, and now you have the Cubs in play for one of the biggest free agent pitchers. Well, we thought they were just in the beginning stages. Of a rebuild, right? They just traded everybody away last July, and now what? What are they doing? Signing Marcus Stroman, and <laughs> yeah. on a three-year deal, no less. Like, yeah, do they expect to contend next year? I'd, that that would be surprising. That would that would definitely be uh, an unconventional return to to contention.
0: Yeah, it is pretty random. You're you're right about that. The Rangers spending a lot of money. The Cubs don't look like they're ready to compete. Uh, I I feel comfor- comfortable saying anytime soon. But, uh, yeah, I guess maybe they just wanted someone to anchor their their pitching staff. And the other day, Scott, we spoke about potentially drafting National League Central pitchers, but probably more likely on the Brewers or Cardinals because you get to face that Cubs lineup. So, unfortunately, uh, Mark Stroman cannot do that. He'll still get the Pirates, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, it doesn't really change much from the win potential uh, as Still not very good for Marcus Stroman. Chris Taylor headed back to the Los Angeles Dodgers on a four-year, $60 million deal. Uh, Had another solid season, 254 batting average, 20 homers, 13 steals, 92 runs scored, over 148 games. Scott, I don't think this really changes much for Chris Taylor. Uh, Maybe it throws some cold water on Gavin Lux, who we spoke about the other day.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I I mean, obviously, Corey is out of the picture now, so if there were any concerns about Chris Taylor's playing time, You know, he's going to play every day. I don't know if he'll be the everyday second baseman or if he'll platoon with Lux there, maybe split time with Pollock in left field. Maybe Max Muncy isn't ready for the start of the season. Bellinger moves back to first base. Taylor plays center field every day for a while. But one way or another, he's going to be in the lineup. Obviously, the Dodgers prioritized him, and he prioritized the Dodgers. I read on on Twitter, Uh, I think maybe some people were underwhelmed by the amount of money he got, but he really wanted to go back to the Dodgers. And um, yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like he'll he'll be a serviceable starter in fantasy, whether it's at second base, shortstop, the outfield, wherever, wherever he ends up eligible.
0: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Max Muncy there. I think that's a possibility. Definitely. uh, Muncy could play some second base as well. Once the Dodgers sign Freddie Freeman. Uh, No, I'm just playing with you. (laughs) just going to keep taking those jabs, Scotty. No, <laughs> no, stop it.
2: Stop it. <laughs> we had a bunch don't of even want to hear it.
0: We had a bunch of reliever moves. Uh, Reisel Iglesias, big contract, four years, $58 million contract returning to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. He just finished as the RP2 behind only Liam Hendricks. I want to talk more about Mark Melanson, signed a two year deal, $14 million contract with the Arizona Diamondbacks. He just led baseball with 39 Another saves. One.
2: Another one, right? What are the Diamondbacks doing signing Mark Melanson? I I
0: guess (laughs) they wanted some assurance uh, in the back end of their bullpen, but um, he did falter a little bit. Mark Melanson did in September. He had an ERA over four in that month. It's Obviously, it's such a small sample size for a reliever. I'm a little bit skeptical uh, that he can keep overperforming his peripheral stats. I mean, he's getting older, obviously, here. But the unquestioned closer for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Michael, what do you think about this move Mark Melanson to Arizona?
1: I, I expect less save opportunities on a you know team that won't win as many games or have the likelihood of winning as many games as of right now. But I do think he'll be, a, <clears throat> excuse me, I think he'll be a reliable uh, source of save just because you know he's he can do it, he can get it done. Even if he does have like a 3.5 uh, for area, I think he'll be the closer of the entire season as long as he doesn't you know get get hurt or whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, unquestionably, he's going to be the guy there. How about this, Scott? Corey Knable to the Philadelphia Phillies on a one-year, $10 million contract. Pitched really well for the Dodgers this past season, but it was only 25 and two-thirds innings, so again, smaller sample size for him. A 2.52 ERA, 0.97 whip, 10.5K per nine, uh, and the fastball velocity was back up closer to where he was at when he was in his prime, when he was saving all those games for the Milwaukee Brewers. Ian Kennedy is a free agent, so... I'm, I'm guessing as of now, Corey Knable is the leader for the Philadelphia Phillies. Still, a lot can change.
2: Yeah, and, and I think there there may be some semi-clarity, as much clarity as we ever get about the closer role these days. Dave Dombrowski, who's, of course, running the Phillies now, uh, after this signing, he, he was quoted as saying, we're not necessarily going after a closer at this time, which... Maybe means they found their closer, as you mentioned, Kennedy's gone. Canabel was a high end closer. Uh, I think it was twenty seventeen He had thirty nine saves for the Brewers with low e r a elite k per nine health problems since then, obviously, but he looked great when he was healthy last year for the Dodgers. He looked like it was basically back to that twenty seventeen form and uh you know he could be a pretty exciting closer, so hopefully. Hopefully that's what ends up happening, but as as I intimate, my camera's shifting angles on me. <laughs> What's going on there, I Scott? I got a lot of headspace all of a sudden. On <laughs> the off the top of the Christmas tree behind me. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, I, I don't think we're I don't think we're going to know for sure who the Phillies closer is. Uh, you know, unless they trade for K- Kimbrel or something. Yeah. I, even heading into opening day, I don't. I don't think we'll know. I. I think that's just the way most teams play it these days.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the the next name I wanted to mention was Craig Kimbrell, because we. We missed this one last week, but uh, Kendall Graveman signs with the White Sox on a three-year $24 million contract, which I think only solidifies that Craig Kimbrell will be traded at some point this offseason. I think the Phillies make a lot of sense. I think the San Diego Padres, now that they uh, do not have a closer, could make some sense a reunion there with Craig Kimbrell. Speaking of the Padres, they did sign a reliever Robert Suarez to a one-year deal with a player option for 2023. Admittedly, did not know much about this guy before he signed, but a hard-throwing right-handed reliever who just posted a 1.16 ERA with 42 saves over in uh, the Japanese league with the Hanshin Tigers um, just under a strikeout per inning too. So I don't, I don't know how much strikeout upside is there, but uh, he's someone who has handled that role before. We'll see what else, what other moves the Padres make in the off season, a few other smaller ones here. Rich Hill signed a one year deal with the Boston Red Sox, 3.86 ERA one to one whip this past season. Uh, Mike, do you think anything left here for Rich Hill when it comes to fantasy?
1: Maybe you know he he had some glimpses last year you know but I, I I think there's gonna be more inconsistency than anything going forward you know just just because of injuries performance you know everything but I will I will take him if if I if if you know if I have my rotation all set and I may, maybe want some upside the back end of my rotation back end of my bench I'll you know maybe take a flyer on them see what happens
0: yeah I, here's, look
1: here's what here's what I wonder about
2: with with the Rich Hill signing is they, they, they signed Michael Walker. The Red Sox did earlier this off season, which you which know, Michael Walker, whatever, take him or leave him. But I presume they signed him to be in the rotation. I was counting on Tanner Houck being in the rotation as good as he looked down the stretch last year. Um, seems like he has a lot of strikeout potential, but there's not room for all three of those guys. Yeah. I mean, they're talking yeah. about Garrett Whitlock being in the rotation too. So, Oh yeah. I'm not even, I'm not even factoring him in. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm disheartened to hear that Rich Hill is is now joining the Red Sox because I, I'm not sure he's one of the most deserving five candidates for that team at this point. He was he had he was he had like an eight game stretch from the end of April to the beginning of June where he had a .99 ERA, I believe it was. And and so his season long numbers look pretty good because of that, but I think yeah. from that point forward, early June on, he had like a four thirty six ERA, something like that, high whip too. I, I don't I don't think there's much left for Rich Hill, and I'd rather see those innings go to Tanner Houck.
0: Oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. I think Tanner Houck uh, before these signings was going to be a pretty popular you know, late round sleeper with with pretty massive upside uh, for 2022. We'll see what happens. I don't know if you also saw this, Scott, but James Paxton signed with the Red Sox, a one-year $10 million deal. They have a two-year club option. So I guess if he looks good when he returns and likely the second half of the season. He had Tommy John surgery in the, in the end of April last year. Uh, then they can opt into those next two seasons, 2023 and 2024. Yeah. But obviously that's for later on uh, in well, this upcoming
2: season. The, the timing of the surgery was end of April last year. So you think 18 months? I think it's possible. 50-50 shot, I would say, that Paxton doesn't even pitch this year. So they're paying sure. him $10 million. For the right of first refusal in 2023 and 2024, basically, which is interesting. I mean, clearly, clearly they think uh, there's more to be had here in James Paxton being his mid thirties, but you know, he was still a big strikeout guy for the Yankees when he was last healthy.
0: Yeah. Alex Cobb to the Giants is official we spoke about that on our previous podcast uh, the numbers there two years $20 million deal the Cubs signed Jan Gomes to a two year $13 million deal uh, Micah do you think this means that they will try and trade away Wilson Contreras
1: you know it's possible Gomes, Gomes is not he's not the guy that you want as your catcher one in a you know typical one catcher league maybe two catcher league you as your second catcher but I mean it's possible since it's a two year deal they keep him there and they you know deal with Contreras for whatever they can get, you know? I don't, I don't know. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. Uh, Universal DH, I mean, I guess that could open up some some playing time yeah. if they wanted to play Wilson That's Contreras true. there and maybe try him out uh, at first base, something like that. Uh, but come on, Frank Schwindel. There's no way we're getting rid of Frank Schwindel, obviously. <laughs> the Padres acquired Jorge Alfaro from the Mets. They now have Austin Nola, Alfaro, and prospect Luis Campusano, who is waiting in the wings. Uh, Alfaro did play some outfield for the Marlins down the stretch, so... You know, maybe using him in some kind of dual role capacity. I, I don't know what's going to happen. The Marlins acquired Joey Wendell from the Tampa Bay Rays for outfield prospect Cameron Meisner, whom I spoke with Paul Sporer about last week when we had him on the podcast. He was down at AFL, uh, Sporer was, and he said that Cameron Meisner was someone who stood out to him. So no surprise the Tampa Bay Rays go out and acquire him for uh, Joey Wendell. We had the non-tender deadline Tuesday night. The biggest names worth mentioning here, Matthew Boyd, non-tendered by the Detroit Tigers. Chad Cool non-tendered with the Pirates. Eh, not the biggest name. Uh, Robert Gazelman, non-tendered by the Mets. The Yankees did tender a contract to one, Gary Sanchez. So looking like he will be the starting catcher for my New York Yankees, which, kind of done. Kind of done with Gary Sanchez, Scott. Wish, <laughs> wish we were trying something else out, but uh, it doesn't look like that can happen. Uh, Matthew Boyd, anything? Like, he's probably the biggest name that was non-tendered. Anything left there, Scott? I, I tried to make him a thing this past year. You, you shot me down.
2: Yeah, repeatedly. Shut <laughs> you down. No, I haven't. I think uh I think Matthew Boyd's um, star has burned out already. It was it was very short lived. Basically that was it twenty nineteen or was it twenty eighteen? was that one season where he struck out everybody and then it was just a total aberration. I believe it Way was too twenty nineteen. Yeah. Um, and obviously he had some he had some uh, pretty pretty big arm issues last year that he didn't he didn't end up succumbing to surgery, but I think that's still something you have to have to worry about wherever he ends up signing.
0: Uh, I am seeing this tweet from John Heyman breaking: Freddie, nah, not Freddie Freeman. Oh. Uh, MLB owners vote unanimously to institute a lockout. It is expected to begin tomorrow. Again, we're recording this Wednesday night, but unclear what time. So uh, just confirming what we expected all along, but. There you go. Some some confirmation at least from John Heyman on the matter. A few more smaller signings. Yes, we will get through these and then we'll talk about a bunch of players whether they are done or not. Dylan Bundy signed a 1-year deal with the Minnesota Twins. Mike, I saw that you were tweeting about Dylan Bundy. Any hope here that he can potentially get back on track?
1: Yeah, I I dug into him. Uh, I think a week ago just out of random just to see, you know, what what happened. I, it was really that slider that where he was throwing it. I mean, the 2020 it was like really, you know, down in the way to uh, uh right right hitters and you know, this season, uh, 2021, he's really throwing it in the zone way too much. I think he had that career high zone rate, and that's just not going to get it done with us. You know, with the rest of this, it's not the best pitch, the slider in and of itself. It's not the best slider, so you can't really just keep that thing in the zone. So, I mean, if he starts to throw it, throw it out of the zone more, I think he'll get closer to what he did in 2020. But I don't think he'll ever get back to that point of striking out, you know, 12 guys and going like 17, seven and all that crazy ace stuff that he did. I think that was kind of, that was kind of fluky, but he can be valuable for sure.
0: Yeah, and it looks like uh, at least as of now, looking at their rotation, they're gonna need him. Uh, so yeah, wow. I'm looking at their roster resource page. They have him penciled in as their SP one. As of now, like it's Dylan Bundy, Bailey Ober, obviously Joe Ryan is there. So there's some hype there. Uh, Randy Dobnak, Lewis Thorpe, So. Yikes. We'll see what happens uh, with the Minnesota wow. Twins. Clint, not good. Clint not Frazier good. signed a one-year deal with the Chicago Cubs. They also signed Harold Ramirez last week. They have Ian Happ on the team. They have Rafael Ortega. They have Jason Hayward still on the roster. So uh, There's going to be some kind of crunch here when it comes to playing time. National League could have the DH, so I guess that's something that helps. Uh, but what do you think, Scott? Any, any hope for, for once uh, breakout hopeful? Clint Frazier?
2: Not really. Okay. If I'm being honest, I, I think it's. I think this is the sort of the sort of move that a rebuilding club should make. Um, take one last shot on a guy once perceived to have high upside that now is essentially free because uh, he's worn out his welcome at his previous stops. You know, so often these re- these rebuilding teams will just fill in their open spots with obvious journeymen... You know, barely hanging on to a major league job, kind of guys, and th- there's nothing there. There's nothing to salvage from that. I mean, if you're if you're committed to losing anyway, you might as well give your bats to somebody who could raise his value and and become an asset for you. Which Clint Fraser still potentially could, but the odds are definitely against it at this point, and um, I'm certainly. Not looking to target him in fantasy.
1: Well, let's give credit I, I, where it's due. Uh, go ahead, Michael. Go ahead. I, I will say one thing. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like he'll have to at least get the opportunity to get some playing time with the Cubs. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so I feel I feel like he'll probably have like a ADP in like the 500, 600 range, four hundred range, whatever. He could be one of those flyers that maybe does something. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. You know, you know, you never know. Super
2: I mean, 20, deep. Yeah. Heading into last year, I thought Clint Frazier had broken through. Right? Yeah, yeah. he was he, just heading into this past year. Yeah. He was on um, my breakout list for for I mean, last season. You know, know
0: obviously Yankees was, aside Homer, but he, he <laughs>
2: thought it so hard, so yeah. hard after obviously plenty of misses before then, too. So yeah. it's just that it's just that pandemic shortened season where he looked like he was living up to his potential. That's basically all it's been. Yep. Mm -hmm.
0: The early ADP, if you're doing like draft champions leagues or anything right now, 529. So, I mean, you're getting them super late and only a name to remember there with Clint Frazier. Let's give credit where it's due. The Cubs did find a few of these retreads. Again, Frank Schwindel and Rafael Ortega was really good for them as well. So, we'll see. Uh, We'll see what happens with uh, Clint Frazier. Cesar Hernandez signed a one year deal with the Nationals. Rugnet Odor signed a one year deal with the Orioles. Daniel Hudson signed a one year deal with the Dodgers. Reminder. The Dodgers have not re-signed Kenley Jansen yet, or any, I guess, surefire closer to this point. So uh, Blake Trinan, I think, would be the first man up there uh, if they don't sign anyone else. Yimi Garcia signed a two-year deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. Hector Neris signed a two-year deal with the Astros. Uh, Laori Garcia re-signed a three-year deal with the Chicago White Sox. So let's take a quick break. When we return, are these players done? We'll talk about it next. Fantasy Baseball Today.
1: Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: All right, so let's jump in. Are these players done? Let's fire up the Dunzo Meter. One on the Dunzo Meter means this player uh, has a lot left in the tank. They are not done. They're far from that. We are pretty excited to see what they can do and hopefully bounce back in fantasy baseball. Ten on the Dunzo Meter. Stick a fork in him. He's done. There's nothing left. This, this person is not helping you in fantasy <laughs> baseball. Let's start with... One of the more popular players to talk about this offseason, Scott, I crowdsourced Twitter. I asked who they wanted to hear during the segment. And unsurprisingly, Cody Bellinger was a name that people wanted to hear a lot. Uh, he was historically bad this past season. 165 batting average, 10 homers, 3 steals in just 95 games. Coming off the shoulder surgery last offseason, he dealt with a calf injury earlier on this season as well. He also had a really bad 2020. Obviously, short in season. He like tweaked his batting stance. Why, coming off of an MVP season in 2019, would you tweak anything? You're already really, really good, Cody Bellinger. Uh, but this past season, he was not. He gave us a little bit of hope in the 12 playoff games that he played. 353 batting average, one homer, five steals, a 35% line drive rate. Uh, but that is an extremely small sample size. Scott, Cody Bellinger on the Dunzo meter.
2: Where are you? I'm glad you're giving me a whole range of of uh, options to choose from here because these these... Top ones are the most difficult uh, i'll go four on Cody Bellinger, so a little more to the side of i don't think he's done i look like he's still 26 so you know right in the prime of his career and he was the league MVP in 2019 obviously since then i I think his he, he's just become a mechanical mess in between yeah. constant tinkering and injuries he's just totally lost his way and and that's something that can be regained with coaching and and um reps you know that's some, that's something i feel like he can get back and i feel like if that happens it'll be like a a switch turned on and and it'll and like 2020 and 2021 never even happened for Cody Bellinger so uh, there's definitely a point where I would be excited to take a flyer on him. I mean, a flyer might be too strong because he's going to go in the middle round, the early to middle round. i him as my number 29 outfielder, basically. So, um, I draft him ahead of guys like Austin Meadows and uh, Robbie Grossman. Guys I don't feel like really compare in terms of upside, but I'm not... I'm not drafting Bellinger at his upside anymore either.
0: Yeah. His early ADP is 96. So 12-team league, you're looking at the eight-nine turn. I think that's a pretty fair value for a you know former MVP from, from just you know two it years Might be ago. just a
2: smidge early for me, but yeah. not not far off. Scott Boris,
0: super agent, of course, for many players in baseball, had this to say about Cody Bellinger earlier in the offseason. Quote, he was injured to Cody's credit, he tried to play through. And the Dodgers played him because he is a gold glove caliber player at two positions. We'll be back to full strength in spring quote, learned a great deal about himself last year. Again, that is Scott Boris on Cody Bellinger. Micah, what do you think? One to 10 on the Dunzo meter. Where are you at on Cody Bellinger?
1: Scott had him. You, you said four. I, I haven't met three. I, I, I think, you know, we got the same, you know, same type of uh, idea around him I, and you, I think you hit on the head, Scott. You said, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of mechanical stuff. You know, a lot of injuries messing with his mechanics, messing with his, you know, confidence. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot of lot of factors that go into you know a player that's going through everything that he went through over the last what 16 and 18 months. So I, I, I think you know, once he gets comfortable, once he gets all season to clear his head, gets mechanics right, he, I think he could be one of the better values. I I've seen him go like yeah, like seventh, eighth, ninth round. I think that could be one of those you know league winning picks that he, he could get 30 40, 30 home runs, uh, 270 280 bad in his, 10 steals, that's, you know, that's a third, fourth round pick. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Belgium in 2022.
0: We can't talk about Cody Bellinger without talking about Christian Yelich, right? It feels like these two are kind of married at the hip uh, at this point. Christian Yelich's 248 batting average this past season, nine homers, nine steals in 117 games. He dealt with a lingering back injury, which has now affected him for you know quite some time. It feels like he dealt with it you know, a couple of years ago where he yeah, he would go on the I.L. here or there, never to the point that it affected him uh, this past season. The ground ball rate spiked all the way back up to 54%, his highest since 2017, his last year that he was with the Miami Marlins. Micah, you get to start us off this time uh, with the Dunzo meter on Christian Yelich.
1: Christian Yelich, Uh where, where, where I wrote I put this down. I I've, I have I have Yelich at uh, three point five. I decided to put a decimal there just just because I couldn't decide between three and four. But I, I I think I think a a lot of a lot of his problems also came because you know because of uh, injuries. That that you know a back injury is 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 one of the worst injuries any athlete in any sport could ever have. It limits everything you do. You know what I mean you can't you can't and in baseball you really need your back to swing and everything. So I mean and to run to steal bases, well he just wasn't hundred percent. and I think besides that he he really wasn't really swinging much his swing rate was at like 60 percent in the 2020 it got back up to 67 in 2021 so i think as long as he's swinging the bat as long as he's confident he'll be able to and as long as he's you know fully healthy he'll be able to you know do what he do what he does i don't know if he ever gets back to 30 30 but i think he could definitely you know maybe maybe get to 2020 something like that with a decent band average So, so yeah
0: yeah so with Yelich, uh, the ground ball rate spiking, I think that's actually something that could come from the back injury, right? Like you can't loft the ball, you know, your, your back is affecting you and helps you generate so much power and it just affects yeah. everything in the swing uh, and, and with yeah. your core when you're dealing with that kind of injury. The problem is we just don't really know. We, we don't really know Where this injury is gonna go. Is it gonna get worse? Is it gonna is he just gonna play through it? Is it gonna stagnate? We saw Clayton Kershaw was affected by a back injury for multiple seasons, uh, you know, a couple years ago. So, Scott, what do you think in Christian Yelich on the Dunzo meter?
2: So if if Mike is gonna do decimals, I'll do decimals (laughs) too. I'm I'm gonna go five point five on Yelich. I had Bellinger four, I'm going five point five on Yelich, which means I'm leaning ever so slightly towards him being done. And that's that's because I'm putting a lot of weight on this back injury Mm. and just I don't I don't want to write Yelich off because I know the upside is first round ability like he he could I I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility he could bounce back with another first round caliber season I think that's definitely within uh, his range of outcomes so you know I I have to I have to respect that and I do like that he got his strikeout rate down I He still impacts the ball very hard, not as hard as he did for the majority of his career, but still hard relative to league average. But it's clear something's wrong with him. And a back injury is the kind of thing that can completely redirect a player's career. I mean, we have historic examples of this. Don Mattingly, you know, more recently Todd Helton their backs started bothering them and they just stopped hitting for power. And kind of feels like we might be seeing that for Yelich. I, I hate to see it, but um I, I do think I do think it's a legitimate concern. So I only rank him one spot high behind Bellinger. I still would take a chance on him in about the same range. Maybe like the 910 range around 910 uh, is where I'd put him. I'm not as hopeful for Yelich as I am for Bellinger.
0: Let's move on to Kyle Hendricks. Everything Finally caught up to him. 4.77 ERA, 1.35 whip. He gave up a career high 31 home runs in 2020. His previous high was 22. Oddly enough, a lack of control for Kyle Hendricks. Not that he was bad. He, like he was just over two walks per nine, but that's bad for him. I mean, I mean someone who like he lives on the fence so much, right? Like yes. anything that anything that could push him over the edge, um, We we just saw it, basically, right? So a combination of giving up more home runs and walks just completely doomed him this past season. Mm -hmm. So the early ADP for him, uh, all the way down at 263.2. I'll mention a few names in in just a little bit who he's going around. But Scott, what do you think? Kyle Hendricks on the Dunzo meter.
2: I will go... I'll go three on Kyle Hendricks. I don't think he's done. I don't think he's done. He's about to turn 32 and he has a skill set that should age very well you know he throws delorean speeds 88 miles per <laughs> hour this is uh this is not somebody who relies on blowing it by hitters and i think i think last year you know he's just a little off at times and he had a stretch in the middle of the season it was just quality start after quality start i mean he looked as reliable as he ever has it's just it was bookended by these stretches where he was getting crushed, um, and I, I think it, that's that's just part of that's just part of the profile for Kyle Hendricks. He misses his spots a little bit, and he he can get crushed because he doesn't have that blow you away stuff. But a great control pitcher works deep into games. Um, is still, you know, in the relatively early stages of his career, I, I think he's probably going to be okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna trust him to the extent I did last year. Like last year was by far the highest I ranked him, and it was a bad idea. <laughs> but you know, if you want him as your number four starter, I I, I think that could go okay for you. You were not alone, Scotty. Uh, a lot of people
0: liked Kyle Hendricks coming off the shortened season because we were looking for volume. Who is someone that can give us innings, reliable innings, and it seems like that's who Kyle Hendricks was for so long. You mentioned that stretch that he had in the middle of the season, thirteen start stretch from. May sixteenth to July twenty first, where he had a quality start uh, in twelve of thirteen of those starts. He had a two point five zero ERA during that span. However, a four point four one xFIP. So normally he outperforms his his underlying numbers, but last yeah. year it just seemed it seemed elevated. Um, I'm a little bit more worried uh, about Kyle Hendricks, Micah. Where are you at the the Dunzo meter for Hendricks?
1: I have him at a little buff Scott. I have him at four. Uh, I I looked into it. I it was uh, had a lot to do with his fastball command. His fastball had a I think it was a career high, uh, fourteen point nine percent walk rate. And I think it, it, he just he wasn't as refined as he used to be in the past. I don't know what what the deal was, but he wasn't hitting his spots as precisely as he used to. So I think, he, as Scott said, he's still you know only thirty two years old. I think he can easily you know come back and just refine that command, refine what he used to, what what he you know lives off of being you know in control of his pitches. I think he will be fine if he does it. Yeah, I I also want to mention
2: 1.5 home runs per nine. That is very unlike Kyle Hendricks, who's more of a ground ball pitcher, not an extreme ground ball pitcher, but generally keeps the ball on the ground. And uh, I think think having that inflated home run rate was mostly about location, but one headline you didn't mention at the top of the show, Frank, is that (laughs) there there are reports that um, MLB was actually mixing in the older juice balls uh, with the newer yeah. deadened balls this season. Yeah. And it's they were all mixed up, apparently because of supply issues, reportedly. So though there's some there are some reasons to maybe doubt that as the excuse. But um yeah, the <laughs> that variable just became uh it just became a huge variable again. and and just it, because we can't really narrow down when one ball was being used and where it was being used and when the other ball was being used. And in theory, we could see more impacts from that heading into next year since we didn't get a pure sample of how the new ball will play in twenty twenty
0: one yeah, I mean, Baseball, what are we doing, man? Like, it is... I, I can't even say one step forward, two steps back. It's just constantly two <laughs> steps back, right? Like, yeah. what are we... Like, two different baseballs not telling anybody, right? Like, you have everything going on with the the sticky substances this past season as well. They told us before the year that they were going to use a new baseball that uh, was a little bit more deadened. They were trying to decrease home runs overall in the game, and then it comes out, they were still using the juice ball in, in some areas. So it's just... I don't like it's just a mess, one mess after another. Uh, We obviously we love baseball, we love fantasy baseball here, but it's just like get your act together, MLB. This is just a mess. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, I don't know, like maybe I'm just out on a limb. I kind of think he's done. Like I, I think I would put him like seven on this meter here because I just for years he outperformed these peripheral numbers, and I don't like it. Just seems like. Everything finally caught up to him. Let's talk about some uh, New York middle infielders here. Francisco Lindor, his first season in the Big Apple with that massive contract. He hit 230 with 20 homers and 10 steals over 125 games. He missed time due to an oblique injury. He also struggled in 2020. We now have about 185 game sample of him being right around a 740 OPS bat. So that is... Uh, pretty bad. There's a chance that he was helped out by the bouncy ball when he was hitting all those home runs in 2018 and 2019. Glass half full. He had a pretty big September. 257 batting average, nine homers in 895 OPS. Micah, you can start us off here. Francisco Lindor on the Dunzo meter.
1: I have him at two. I expect the decent size bounce back in 2022. You know, he had career-low contact rates in 2021, but the quality contact was fire. I think he had a career-best uh, hard-hit rate, so I think, it's, you know, he's still hitting the ball hard. There's a lot going on here. This is a guy that just, you know, he's coming over to, to New York. He's, you know, he's a lot of hype around him. A lot of people expect him to be the guy. So, I mean, that's a lot of pressure on a player. So, I think... Once he gets comfortable, you know, in that lineup, in a better lineup now in 2022, I think, in a better, better team in 2022, I think he'll be, you know, a lot more productive.
0: Yeah, and we've seen that before, you know, first year with that big contract. There's, there's been many times where players fail to uh, perform in that first year. Uh, Michael, we were talking beforehand, you're a Phillies fan. I know Bryce Harper's yeah. first year there was not ideal either. So yeah. these things happen when, when we get superstars in new places. Scott, what do you think about Francisco Lindor on the Dunzo
2: meter? So... I am going to say 5. Ooh, I'm going to say 5 cuz I I it kind of depends what you mean by done. I mean he's he can probably I think he can probably be better than he was last year. I don't think he's going to be first round caliber bat again or even second round caliber bat again. I think he was tailor-made for the juice ball era and he kind of leaned into it as it was happening because the home run explosion came... The, the juice Ball era started basically the second half of 2016. 2017 was the year he broke through as a 30-homer guy, and he did it by elevating his launch angle, kind of selling out for home runs. And he's one of those guys, I've I referred to them, um, hit a lot of home runs in spite not having... Particular, a particularly high average exit velocity. He stuck with that approach this past year, with you know at least many of the balls being deadened. Not all of them, apparently, but there was a you know obviously they weren't they weren't uh, there were there were deadened baseballs this past year, right? And uh, he stuck with that same high fly ball approach and they just weren't carrying over the fence for him. And and when you're hitting a lot of fly balls and they're not going over the fence, it wrecks your batting average, which we saw happen to him. And I, I think the best thing he could do now is go through, is go back to his initial approach prior to 2017, where he was more of a line drive hitter and, you know, maybe top out of 20 home runs rather than 30 plus. Um, And if he does that, you know, he'll he'll still be a quality starter in fantasy but i don't i'm really not counting on him ever being that high-end shortstop again
0: the early steamer projections on francisco indoor 252 batting average 30 homers 13 steals i think i would take the over on the batting average you know maybe we get 260 something like that the under on the power i, I think yeah. you know maybe he's just like a 25 homer bat at this point something like that mid-20s uh slight over maybe on on the steals as well. 15 steals, you know, 25 homers, 15 steals, 260 bat. I I think a lot of people would sign up for that where he's going right now, which is an early ADP of 51.9. So an early fifth round pick. I wish I was getting a little bit more of a discount coming off the shortened season, uh, coming off this past season, but uh, he's going just three picks behind Wander Franco. Scott, who would you rather have?
2: I'd rather have Franco.
1: Micah
0: what do you think? Wander Franco versus Francisco Lindor?
1: I'll take Franco, yeah. I I agree. I give me the upside. And I mean, honestly might might be a better floor too. So yeah. All right. Well, I, I would take Jorge Polanco over Lindor.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> I still have Lindor in my top twelve and still want him as a starter, but I I I have I have more confidence in Polanco's power than Lindor's at this point.
0: All right. <laughs> Uh, Jorge Polanco ADP of 91.6. So you could wind up with a lot of Jorge Polanco this upcoming season, Scott, none of Lindor. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. Uh, all right. So I have two, four, six, eight more players. Uh, we're, we're not going to be able to deep dive each one of these. Here's what we'll do. Uh, I'll let you guys alternate who, uh, breaks down and gives analysis on a player, but you guys could still give out your, your Denz- Dunzo meter picks for each of them. Scott, you will get okay. uh Torres up next. I mentioned New York middle infielders, uh, I don't know what is going on with this guy, but the past couple of years, it's like space jam style lost all of his talent. It is just someone stole it. I don't know where it is, but Glaber Torres does not have it anymore. There you go. Uh, 169 games since the start of 2020, a 255 batting average, 12 homers, 15 steals for Glaber Torres. The home run, to fly ball rate has taken a huge step back. Maybe someone that was also helped by that bouncy ball. Uh, glass half full for him as well played 19 games at second base towards the end of the season and he did perform better uh, than 300 batting average two homers four doubles and 815 OPS still not the player that he was but looked a little bit more comfortable uh, really not a major league shortstop he's he's very bad there uh, Scott where are you at Glaber Torres Dunzo meter uh, eight yeah this one's tough wow. man.
2: this one is tough yeah. <laughs> it's um <laughs> What everything I said about Lindor applies twofold to Gleyber Torres mm. because I mean his his exit velocities his hard hit rates were really blah early in his career and he was hitting home runs in spite of that and so when you see when you see basically the data remain unchanged year after year and yet the production goes way down especially when 2021 is the season you're keying in on with the change in the ball. Uh, I, th- I think that might pretty much tell the story. Uh, it's too early to say for sure, it's only one year of data, and it wasn't, it, it was again the variable wasn't what we thought it was. It was, uh, I, I keep getting tongue tied when I try to explain what I mean, but they're mixing in balls, right? they were mixing <laughs> in juice balls and deadened balls, so we the data was kind of corrupted in that way, but even so. Uh, that might tell the story for Glaber Torres. It's just that that profile of hitter isn't gonna be able to hit for power anymore. And if they don't, if they're not able to hit for power anymore, then they really need to change their whole hitting makeup to um to to be a useful player.
0: Yeah. And we also had that just Crazy stretch in 2019 where he just destroyed Baltimore pitching and like their pitching staff was historically bad that year. I think he hit like 13 homers in 19 games or whatever it was. So that was a lot of his
1: production there. Uh, Micah, just give me a number, maybe a quick
0: thought on Glaber Torres here. Dunzo meter.
1: I have him not as harsh as Scott, but I have not at seven. I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, I agree with a lot of points Scott said. And going, speaking on the point where he said he has to, you know, kind of like, Adjust his game a little bit. He hit 312 against breaking pitches in 2021, 289 XBA. I mean, he's so if he's, you know, doing adjust, adjust making adjustment to hit better against breaking pitches, that's better for average. But, you know, the power isn't there yet. He, he had like an 81 average active velocity against breaking pitches. That's not going get, to gonna get it done. So, yeah, yeah, I, I haven't I have up seven.
0: I I, Look, I watch a lot of Yankees games. He could not hit fastballs up in the zone. He just could not get to them. So uh, just quickly pulling up. Yeah, he had 230 against fastballs this year. It's just like, it's not going to work. Like, you know, you got to be able to hit fastballs at this level. And uh, at least this past season, he couldn't do that. He was 259 in 2020, so a little bit better, but not much. Let's move on to Hyunjin Ryu, 4.37 ERA, a 1.22 whip, career low, 7.6K per nine with just a 9.7% swinging strike rate, and maybe someone affected by the sticky substances because the first two months of the season, a 2.62 ERA with a near 11% swinging strike rate from June 1st on Hyunjin Ryu. A five point three seven ERA, just under nine percent swinging strike rate. He did deal with some injuries, dealt with some off season stuff, which we uh, off the field issues, which we found out after the fact. Apparently, he wasn't able to see his family for a long stretch of time. I believe it was because of COVID and the fact that the Blue Jays were not playing in their actual park and you know they were moving around so he didn't get to see his family and it's something that actually affected him and something that he talked about so i don't know how we factor that into our analysis but uh micah you get hyunjin ryu here where is he at on the dunzo meter
1: i have ryu at four and like you said uh frank there there is you know some factors outside the game that could be you know affecting his you know his overall uh presence on the mouse i mean his his command that you know he he's 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 a guy that you know thrives off hitting his spot and his command just didn't seem right uh, towards the end of the season just didn't seem right his control was he, was he was throwing the ball in the strike zone but he just didn't wasn't you know locating his pitches where you know where they're not as hittable as they as they should have been so he was getting he was getting hit around a lot so I, I think going forward I'm not I think he can turn that around thinking you know get his head right and just make the adjustments he needs to make I think yeah I'm not I'm not, I'm not too worried about him.
0: all right a four from Micah Scott give us a number maybe a quick thought here on
2: Hyunjin Ryu. <laughs> I'm going to have to give a quick thought because I'm going 9 on Hyunjin Ryu. Oh, <laughs> this is the one I'm most worried about of all of them. Oh, um,
0: How are you going to give him a 9 and give Kyle Hendricks a 4, Scott? Come on, man.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> you saw basically all of Hyunjin Ryu's skill indicators just drop off the map. And he's going to be 35 next year. You True. Know? And it just... It just looks like a guy who got old. Maybe, maybe the sticky substance band had something to do with it. Um, he's enough of a control pitcher that I'm not going ten. I'm not going ten. And and plus, you know, he's he's made some. He, he's had some other moments in his career where he made a big bounce back from injuries. In particular, I'm thinking so. I'm, I'm not going to write him off completely. But I'm like in a dynasty context. If I have Hyunjin Ryu. I'll shop him for whatever I can get. Basically, I'll, I'll treat him like I was treating Patrick Corbin last season mm. in a in a dynasty league because you know somebody somebody out there like Micah might have more faith in him than I do.
0: All right, let's uh, get back to my Yankees. Right, of course we got to talk about the Yankees. DJ LeMahieu, two sixty eight batting average, ten homers, a seven eleven OPS maybe another victim of the uh, no bouncy ball this past season. He had a sports hernia down the stretch. turns out he will have offseason core surgery. Uh, we don't know how long he was playing with that injury. Maybe it was something that affected him for a majority of the season. But, Scotty, you get DJ LeMayhew here, the Dunzo meter for DJ.
2: So he might be the poster child for the effect of the, the deadened baseball. Because uh, when the ball was at its juiciest, is basically the only years when he hit for power. And then and then 2021 happens with the dend baseball, and that power goes away. So, I uh, I think he's probably what he was last year. That's just who DJ LeMahieu is going to be going forward. I'll give him a I'll give him a nine, like I did for you. Oh, gosh,
0: uh, man. I'm pretty sure the Yankees have him for like four more years. So that is uh, <laughs> not the best there. Uh, Michael, what yeah. do you think? DJ LeMayhew, give me a number here.
1: I, I, I have at five. I mean, we are, we already know the profile is sketchy, limited, you know, variability, lots of ground balls. But he, it's the contact hitters, you know, he's a elite contact hitter and, and he hits the ball hard a lot. So I think I think he could sneak sneak to 15, 16 no runs, sneak a good 280 bad average, sneak five or six slow-in bases and have a quietly productive season. If, uh-huh. if everything goes right.
0: All right. I like the sound of that. Hopefully we can make that happen because <laughs> oh gosh, I hope I hope he's not completely done. Uh but there, there's definitely a chance. Maybe, maybe that, you know, injury affected him more than uh they were leading on. You Darvish had a 4.22 ERA, a 109 whip uh after an exquisite shortened 2020 season and uh, a really, really strong second half of 2019 as well definitely seems sticky stuff related uh, 5.60 era from june 1st on he also allowed a lot more fly balls this year 45 percent fly ball rate by far a career high which led to 28 home runs allowed micah you get you darvish where's he at
1: on the dunzo meter I have you Darvish at six, and I I I just think it's sticky stuff. I think that really did affect him, and that can't be you know understated. I think that you know these pitchers get used to having this stuff on their fingers, used to using it to do whatever they have to do to succeed, and to just have that gone this season really did affect him. So yeah, I think I don't know if it's gonna if it's gonna be the same picture going forward, but we'll see. But I'm, I'm I i do not think in drafts I don't think I'm willing, willing to take the take the risk in most cases.
0: Yeah, the the 80p for Darvish is interesting too because it's 88. So, it's not like it completely plummeted, but it is, you know, it's pretty low compared to where it was last year when he was like a second yeah. round pick. So now, you know, we're getting him in this what, eighth round range right now for you Darvish in a 12 team league. If you're buying that he can get back to that Cy Young caliber pitcher, then, you know, you're you're getting him at a potential steal. But Scott, what do you think? Give me a number. You Darvish
2: so it's a shame we're going lightning round now because I think this is where we have all the disagreements. Because <laughs> <laughs> What's the lowest I've handed out so far? Uh, maybe a three? A three or four? Oh, well, okay. I'll go, I'll go three for Darvish. I'll go three for Darvish. The timing with the sticky substances, you know, that, that's definitely suspicious, but I think it might be a red herring. You mentioned it, Frank, his fly ball rate was much higher than usual. And that was true from the beginning of the season. I remember looking at it at some point in May or June and thinking, huh, you Darvish is really outperforming his ex fit here. Are those fly balls going to catch up to him? And they did in the second half. And I don't, I don't know if the sticky substance band contributed to that. It, it helped exacerbate the effect or, but I, he was playing with fire all along and like he's, he's had these really infuriating stretches in his career, right? Part of it's because he has like six pitches that he's constantly, um, he's constantly reshaping his arsenal based on how those pitches are performing for him. And I, I think, I think he may have just been a victim of his own tinkering this past year. I, I, the stuff is still electric. I think, um, I think there's a, I think more likely than not, he has some high end years left in him.
0: Uh, The last one we'll actually talk about here is uh, Trent Grisham. I'll give you three names at the end. You can just give a quick thought on each. But uh, Trent Grisham, 242 batting average, 15 homers, 13 steals, a 740 OPS in 132 games. The home run to fly ball rate uh, went from 20% in 2020 down to 12% in 2021. The weirdest part, what I was worried about coming into this past season was would he play against lefties? How good would he be against lefties? He was much better against lefties this year than he was against righties. So that wasn't even the issue for Trent Grisham. So, Scotty, you get this one. The Dunzo meter, Trent Grisham.
2: Well, I hate to sound like a broken record. I'm going to go seven on Grisham, and my skepticism with him is the same for so many of the other hitters we talked about. He just doesn't hit the ball all that hard, and he managed to hit you know a lot of home runs back when we were still working with the juicy baseballs but i i don't think i don't think uh, that's a possibility in in this new world we're living like that's the that's the hitter profile clearly that i'm most worried about and when we saw it we saw it affect a lot of players already and i think it could it could potentially get even worse it could potentially affect even more players if i'm paying a lot more attention to exit velocity now for hitters than i have in, in previous years, because it it seems to have um, it it seems to have a stronger correlation with outcomes now in this uh, this new hitting environment we're looking at. So I like that Grisham gets on base. Obviously, he can contribute some stolen bases. That's why I'm going seven on him versus eight for Gleyber Torres versus nine for uh, DJ LeMahieu, but. I don't think we're going to see the 2020 version of Grisham again.
0: Scott, you're going to have a a pool of about 10 hitters that you could draft in 2022. I think one of them is uh Jorge Polanco. I know you like Kyle Schwarber a lot, uh, and then we'll figure out the other eight, but it seems like there's a lot of hitters <laughs> that you're actually pretty worried about. And
2: I, I get yeah. it. Uh, I get it. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's, con- that's part of the reason why I'm doing an about face here with the pitchers <laughs> versus hitters who, who I invest most of my assets in. I'm, I'm back onto the hitters because it just feels like um, it just feels like the the hitting crop, the useful hitting crop, is narrower than it's been in recent years.
0: All right, Micah, you have a number for Trent Grisham on the Dunzo meter. Yeah, I've been at five. All right. uh, Anything else that you'd like
1: to to add on him? A quick thought. I I did want to say quick. I, I have a lot to say, but I'll try to I'll try to summarize it. So <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I didn't want to you know go on a rampage. But so he, 2021, he, he it really was he he hit 218 against fastballs. I think that's going to improve. You know, he's a young guy. I think that's important. And he his zone contact was a career high 87.7 in 2021. I think for a young guy that's hitting hitting in the zone that much and a guy that can hit for can improve his quality of contact. I think there's a potential for him to improve his, his metrics overall. I think he could set a career high max exit velocity in 2022 or 2023. So I think there's still room for improvement given that he's so young and given that he does have you know these raw tools that he can use. So it's five. It's just just you know just in the middle.
0: All right. A little bit more optimism there for Trent Grisham. Uh Scott, I'm gonna give you three players and you have uh no more than 30 seconds to give out your numbers and, and say anything you want. So good luck. Uh Chris Paddock Charlie Blackman and Zach Granke.
2: they all might be cooked. So, uh, yeah, uh, I will go. Oh man, I most of my thirty seconds is just going to be me thinking. I'm going <laughs> to go um, nine on Chris Paddock. It might be a little high. I'm going to go eight on Charlie. Blackman, like, I don't think he's going to be prime Charlie Blackman, early round Charlie Blackman again, but I, I think he's still pretty useful just as he is. So, I don't, I don't know. Eight, I'll say. And Zach Greinke, seven.
0: Zach Greinke, a free agent as well, so we'll see where he winds up. Chris Paddock, probably my biggest L of 2021. I, I did have quite a bit of him. Finishes with an ERA over five, dealt with COVID, and elbow injury. It was just a complete mess.
2: He only has the two pitches. You know what? Next. I'm going to drop Granky to six.
0: Okay. I, I mean, I'm actually with you on Chris Paddock. Like, maybe it's an eight or whatever. He's still young ish. Maybe you can figure it out. Michael, what do you think? Those three names Chris Paddock, Blackman, Zach Granky.
1: So, Paddock, I have at five. I, I still think he's still developing. I I, I like him a lot. Uh, Granky, I have him at 6.5. I, uh, You know, he's, he's declining. He's in the decline. And Blackman, no stolen bases, not a lot of power, but he will hit for average. So, I'll give him a seven
0: yeah blackman 35 years old lineup is looking pretty awful there with the colorado rockies all right that's gonna do it we're gonna wrap up here uh once again i want to thank micah for coming on a contributor for nbc sports edge fan tracks roto ranks new life fantasy that is
1: quite the resume man
0: you got you got a lot of stuff going on right (laughs) now uh make sure you follow him on twitter (laughs) at fantasy central one we appreciate you coming on here micah
1: Appreciate it for having me on, man. This this was fun.
0: All right. For Scott and Micah, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again on Tuesday. (laughs) Bye-bye.